Welcome to the Homeschool Together podcast. Where one working mom and a stay-at-home dad help you navigate the nuts and bolts of the growing and dynamic world of homeschooling. With a focus on early learners. Like me! All the ins and outs of building and maintaining your homeschool life. Homeschool! Find out tips and tricks to make things like this easier. I'm reading! And ultimately, enjoy educating your kids. And what's that last thing? Have fun together! Did I do good, Daddy? (laughs) Yeah, you did, sweetie. Good job. Hello and welcome to Homeschool Together. I was just explaining my absolute terrifying fear of aliens to my wife and she she, doesn't have to explain we've we've been together a long time absolutely i know there's one thing that 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 this six foot six 300 pound man's afraid of it's aliens it's the grays guys the big heads and the big eyes man it just gets me every time i don't know why we're talking about this i don't know why because you pulled the book off the shelf anyway welcome to homeschool (laughs) together thanks so much for joining us if you want head on in the show notes and uh, leave us a review on itunes that'd be really great and connect with us on social media and check out all of our resources that we have on the gumroad store and specifically we just put out an episode about getting started in homeschooling and we have a zero to homeschool series that's out on youtube Um, if you're new to homeschool check it out if you know somebody else who's new to homeschool and they're um, struggling and don't know where to start this is a really the the series is a bit longer the podcast is a kind of a short and sweet you know all together version but definitely share it with those that you know, might, this might benefit. Um, it's a very, uh, simplified version and it's very encouraging and and that's what we wanted it to be. So we're going to keep that out there. It's, it's here forever. So please share that out and make sure that people know about it. Check it out on the YouTube channel. If you, if you have a chance, subscribe over there as well. So you can get some of our pretty videos that we put out, um, as well as the main podcast feed. So if you're more of a YouTube listener, that, that is there for you. Ariel, today we are talking about FOMO. Fear of missing out. Yeah, doing all the things. That's what we're calling it, doing, doing all the things. Doing all the things. And this because is, we always want to do everything. Exactly. And so th- this is a common problem we, you know, I, like like all of our podcasts. Well, Ariel, I saw a problem on the Facebook feed. No, you know what? This is one of our this first episodes that is not addressing something that I saw on other groups. This is addressing me. This is all about me. <laughs> I want to do all the things. Well, so, you know, if you've read the show notes, this is... The whole subject here is, you know, we decided to homeschool our kids. We're excited about doing that. We want to give them the world. We want to give them everything, mm-hmm. the things we didn't have. And we want to follow every rabbit trail of their interest and make sure that they have the most wonderful, fulfilling education. And it's really hard to not want to do everything I see because we're not we're not in a world where we only have a couple of options for curriculum or, no. um, you know, not even just curriculum, but even if you want to make things yourself, I could do a unit study about literally anything and exactly. I could make it myself. And I have tons of access to great resources online and at our library. And how do you, how do you not do everything? How do you take, take away that fear that you're going to miss out on something that your child might love? And, I want, I want to do everything for my kids. So this was actually a challenge to myself for us to sit down and talk about 
this because I definitely feel this. You know, we're doing a combination right now of Torchlight and Build Your Library for level K because I didn't want to miss out on either one of them. And and the further that we go through it, I, I, I love what we're doing, but I'm also realizing areas to pare back for the next time that we go through this. And I'm coming to realize more and more the the quality over quantity and and really refining things and and I'm very happy with our choice to do both of those don't get me wrong but um it's helping me to see where the best parts are and so yeah this is something I really struggle with I think a lot of us do but there's so many great curriculums I want to do them all I think your FOMO is because every day you come to the realization you put me in charge of the education well, I, I, I know. I don't think it's... I, <laughs> You're I, realizing I've put this man in charge. No, of I trust you completely. <laughs> it's not that. It's it's that I see so many things and I'm like, oh, she would like that. Oh, she'd like that. Oh, I want to make sure we get to that. You know, and yeah, it's, right. it's, it's so tough. And, mm-hmm. you know, with our daughters too, because they're three years apart, we're, you know, we're going through this cycle of what we're going to study now. And at some point we're going to come back around and do it with our younger daughter and then I, at that point, I want to sync the girls together. Well, that means our older daughter's not continuing to move up. She's going to have to retread mm-hmm. ground, yes. but she'll be older. But I, I don't want her to miss out on that other ground that she could have covered. And I, I don't know. And then there's, and then there's things like Waldox, Wizards and Wands. I want to do that too. And I've seen yeah. Blossom and Root. I really want to do that science part, but I really want to do scientific, you know, building foundations for scientific understanding. And how do I put them together? And is it okay to do things in the wrong year? And I want to do it all. As you're. As your resident psychologist, <laughs> you have a bad case of FOMO. Let's identify different right. types of FOMO. So after sitting down and thinking about this, <laughs> <laughs> we really, we, we thought we're not the only people that have this problem yeah, so of the, wanting to do it all. The question is, you know, we want to ask the question, Ariel, why do you feel the way you feel? <laughs> so I think there's a couple of reasons to feel this way, that to feel like you want to do everything. And mm-hmm. To, to feel like you want to do more than you have time for. Exactly. I guess that's that's what I'm going for, more than y- you have reasonable time for. So a couple of reasons. One, it could be because everything just looks so darn good. And that's my problem. I think everything looks so good that uh, I want to do all those things. Um, the other part is projection, which is what I wish that I would have been taught in school. Oh, I wish that I would have gotten to do this when I was this age. Or, boy, I had this really bad experience in math. I don't want that to happen to my kids. So I want to do all these other great math programs and do more than one because I want them to have a great experience in math, right? Or I was a reluctant reader, so I want to flood them with the best books I can. But maybe that means we we go overboard. And then there's folks, too, who feel this fear that... If I don't do all these things, that maybe my child will fall behind. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I'm not doing enough. Yeah. How do I fill my whole here. day? Uh, you know, we've talked about this feeling of not doing enough. So these are some common reasons why you could be feeling like you want to do more than you reasonably have time and energy to do. So we can classify this FOMO as, you know, there's so many resources, so too many options, paralyzed by choice. I'm projecting some fear of maybe my childhood or my expectations onto the homeschool. Or a, or a gap, or, that I, yeah. a, a wish of myself, right? Sometimes I look at something and think, I want to learn this. And as exactly. we know, as homeschoolers, the family is learning yeah. whatever the kid's learning. So sometimes I look at something and be like, I want to do space. <laughs> well, I'm sure she wants to do space because I, I, I want to do space. <laughs> so. Yeah, And then the final one being... You know, am I doing enough? So these three big issues, and we're going to hit each one a little bit more in depth. 
but just kind of structure the way you think about FOMO and, and it's not necessarily meaning that you will have just one. You may have multiple ones. Um, right. And you may I think have I've to, got a little bit of all of this. I, I think we. I think in some respects we all we all do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so the, we have to learn how to you know identify it, characterize it, and then maybe some some ideas on how to manage that so that you don't let your anxiety or fears or your you know decisions you know impact the homeschooling environment. Be able to step back and. You know, make good decisions um, mm-hmm. in a right frame of mind. So that first one is too many resources. So how do you manage too many resources? Yeah, so this is a tough one. Mm-hmm. Especially <laughs> when the Rainbow Resource Guide just arrived. Oh my God, I love it. You're perusing Kathy Duffy stuff. Oh. and Watching you, YouTube flip throughs. And you just got all the e- email newsletters that everything's 50% off. Oh my gosh, so, the sales. Era, the sales you get me. You got too much stuff. I Yeah, so... I think where I've come to be with it, because there are so many great resources, is I'm starting to really look at what are all the things that I want to do? Not just what's available, but like, what are my real goals for my children this year, next year? You know, some mm-hmm. sometimes I'm I'm always looking multiple years ahead. So I'm looking at, oh, maybe that's not appropriate for this year, but what are we going to do next year and the year after? And I kind of try to make some forward plans. So I really look at what do I really want to accomplish? What are the things I need to do? Right, I I, I need to cover math. I need to cover reading. Uh, I I need to. I want to do a history element. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to involve. I want to have science involved. I want to do art. You know, and just really trying to hone in on the things I think are most important, which helps me a little bit mm-hmm. to say like, while I think that unit study all about Harry Potter looks really fun. I don't have to do it. Not that I'm not going to get to that unit study on Harry Potter because I will, but you know, maybe it's not the, it's not, doesn't take first position potentially with me. So that's one of the things I look at. The other thing is I'm trying to understand as I look at more curriculum sources or unit studies or things, what is it about this that really appeals to me? Is it the, is it all the subject matter? Yeah. In which case I could decide to maybe, you know, take some out if there was too much, I could pare it down or I could lengthen. I could, you know, I, I mean, I have options if it's just subject matter. Is it that I really like the structure of the program? And then I, I mean, we could, we could go on to, you know, we don't have to double up. We'll get to it eventually. Right. I, I I like how it, you know, it sets things out week after week. I'm trying to understand what it is about different programs that appeal to me. Mm-hmm. Oh, I really like Torchlight because it has such an amazing book list. Oh, I really like Build Your Library because I love the thoughtful discussion questions. Like I'm trying to, so I would say try to start being uh, a bit more introspective when you're looking at things you might want to do about what is it that really appeals to you. For us, for instance, uh, we did Blossom and Root Early Years Volume 2 and we really loved it. And I I thought about what about that really appealed to me. And I didn't find that it was the literature. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't find I, I did I did find that the art was good. I liked the art and the music. The music, yeah. But the thing that appealed to me more than anything was the nature. Mm-hmm. And so for this year, instead of doing Blossom and Root Kinder, I've just grabbed the nature module. And I'm just going to do that because that's the part that really appealed to me about that program. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we are doing our full combination of Torchlight and Build Your Library this year. But next year, I think I'm going to use Build Your Library as my spine. And I'm going to pull in just the good, some good extra books from Torchlight because that's what I really like about that program is mm-hmm. 
the really great books I wouldn't have heard of that I think look amazing that I'd like to read with her. So start to try to find out what things really are, are appealing to you so you can decide do you need the whole thing or do you just want to take a portion of it if you're overscheduled? I mean, if you're not overscheduled, then, you know, by all means. But mm -hmm. if you're looking at having too many things to do and not enough hours <laughs> to do them in, you know, we don't, first of all, we, we don't want to burn out ourselves or our kids because yeah. then homeschooling is not fun for anybody. Mm -hmm. So, um, but I, I think that by trying to identify what you like most about things, you can, you could try to maybe pull the pieces that will be the most meaningful to you without having to do the whole program. Well, and that's balanced and juxtaposed against what the learner's interested in. So you have things that you're interested in as a as a teacher, as an educator, as a parent on the things you are you think are most important to your child at this time mm -hmm. of the, of their development. And then that is balanced against what your student likes. So how do you right. how do you marry those two things together? Yeah, I think that's really difficult. You know, there are things that I think are really interesting. And yeah. I can pretty much talk my daughter into finding anything interesting. <laughs> She's pretty amenable. She too. is pretty amenable. But I know when I'm purposely working to talk her into something and when she's genuinely jazzed about <laughs> doing something. Um, you know, our daughter has been into Egypt for quite a while. And so I know when I'm planning next year and planning to study ancient civilizations, if I go through Egypt as fast as I go through other areas, I, I can't do that. As much as I want to keep moving on because I want to cover more ground and, and do more, I know that if I don't spend a month on Egypt, my kid is going to be so disappointed. Yeah, right. Because that's something she's so into. So, yeah, I think when you're trying to look at what you're going to do, whether you're putting together your own unit studies or you're going to game school or whatever, assess what you think your kids might like to pare things down a little bit. And then once you have something there that you think you might want to do, or maybe you can't decide between two programs, that's when you bring them in, even at kinder age and just talk it through with them. Yeah. They're great little sounding boards and you can sometimes be really surprised. I've been surprised before about what our daughter was most interested in when I maybe didn't expect her to be very interested. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I, I like the idea of bringing them in. And, but also, like, I think what you were saying before, how you can prune and truncate, you know, you know, just take this tranche of this, whatever this thing is, a like unit study or a curriculum and just say, I, I'm really just interested in this element of it. And then how does that fit into your weekly flow? How does that fit into your, 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 your lesson plans that you're doing? Mm -hmm you know, the, the scope and sequence of, of your education over the course of the year, you may utilize different times of the year to do different things. Mm -hmm. Like if you're say, okay, in the summer, we're going to be doing some more playful unit study stuff. So that can then scratch that itch that you may have. Right. And then, yeah. okay, I'm going to do my main curriculums during the normal, you know, quote unquote school year. And then in the summers, we'll do a little bit more fun and entertaining stuff that, you know, are, I'll be able to you know, buy three or four of these little fun things that are really interesting to me that I can then show to you. The choice is a big problem. I, I know um, it's for, a huge problem. The more great resources we get, the the harder this becomes. Yeah, there's a whole there's a whole wing of anxiety where there's um, a fear of making a choice that amongst all these various options, it becomes so arduous to make a choice mm -hmm. because there's the fear that I'll make the wrong choice or the fear that. I can't make a choice. I, mm -hmm. There's just too many options. And collapsing those number of options can help you make better decisions. So 
Um, I always like the Pareto distribution for choosing, you know, what to work on next. We did this a lot of, in our corporate life where we would survey our customers and say, you know, what are the features that you're most interested in? And they would say, okay, well, we want this, this, and this. So then we would put a, you know, distribution of all those things. And we say, okay, we're going to focus yeah, on what got the most votes, what got them the top three most votes. And you would realize that if you do the distribution, you would, you would find that, okay, out of the 20 different I- items that were recommended, you know, three or four of those items are the most important. And you may be able to find some way of pruning down the various options based on your interest, based on your learner's interest. And these may be ways to limit those choices and those mm-hmm. options so that you feel you can make a good choice. So, okay, I'm going to choose between this unit study and this unit study. I might buy both of them in case, oh, we started this unit study and they didn't really like it. Then I can pull in another one, right? That type of thing. You can always have something on deck waiting for you when you want to right we have you know, we can't be pivot. afraid yeah. yeah we can't be afraid to pivot and be flexible i try to think about things about how can this fill a gap that exactly, i have right yeah. so right now we're doing this around the world thing yeah. well we aren't doing anything with nature there's not really a nature component no, to this not, no. which is why bolting on that piece of blossom and root k fills a gap that we have Similarly, there's not a very strong science component with this. There's like, you know, there's a science experiment with Torchlight each week, but it's not, it's not connected to anything. There's Mm -hmm. no, there's no through line of learning that goes on there. It's just kind of random. Hey, look, this is a cool science thing. And, you know, just do an experiment because there's no through line of that. I've decided to add Blossom and Roots um, kinder science component because mm-hmm. it's going to be a space journey, but at least it, the whole year we'll have this theme. And I, I like that idea of making a stronger theme of science. So I'm trying to fill and gaps noticed, too. Yeah, and we've noticed know? something with, at least with our learners, and this is something you probably have to evaluate on your end, is that our learner really likes thematic things. She things does. that come back and they reemphasize so that when you are maybe moving between interest, it is still all, you know, the space theme is a good example. It's all yeah. within a, the common theme and we can keep re- reiterating and reinforcing the same ideas that say, okay, this is another planet. This is another planet. This is another right. planet. And she starts to, you know, grok it after four or five cycles. And we've noticed that as a way that she learns. Um, she likes the looping. She likes mm-hmm. that kind of yeah, the looping type of schedule, spiral based, the spiral based learning. Um, we've seen that with the around the world studies where we, you know, there's so many options to, to work on. And if you've watched any of our around the world videos, we always talk about, we try to limit it to just type of two big topics and then a bunch of little itty bitty bitty small topics mm-hmm. that kind of span the, the two week cycle. But we really focus on like two big things. Like for example, if it was Brazil, it'd be like carnival and then the rainforest. Right. And those are the, the things that everything we read we, we, we reference back to those big, th- mm-hmm. those two mm-hmm. big topics. And so narrowing down on thematic of learning has been a big way to, for us to, right. you know, to be able to make that type of focus. Yeah. I, I, I like, I like plugging, plugging gaps with yeah. different things that I'm interested in. It gives you another way to try something. The other thing is we, so while homeschoolers don't have limits necessarily because we don't, 
have a traditional school year, right? We can homeschool year yeah. round, which we do. You can homeschool every day of the week if you want to. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a this is a blessing and a curse a little bit. Um, the great thing is you have total flexibility with your schedule. And if you feel like there isn't enough time in the normal quote unquote school year, then you can add the summer and do things like you said, do something yeah. fun or just extend your your learning out if you're if your kids really into what you're doing. Um, the other part, though, is that we can sometimes go too far because there's no boundary mm-hmm. on that. So we do have to be a little bit careful. But, you know, one other way that I kind of manage having lots of great resources is that I, I know that I don't have to confine myself to a year. And and I know, too, that, for instance, our around the world study is going to go past the time our daughter will start first grade. And yeah. I'm OK with that. Yeah. I don't care that it's a kindergarten curriculum and we're going to go three months into first grade. Doesn't bother me at all. Yeah. Um, because I think it's worthwhile anyway. And so, you know, we can make those decisions. So thinking about time and time and resources is a big, is a big question because it, it is, that, I mean, that that's the story of our lives. That's the story of our, you know, businesses that we work for or run, you know, managing resources, managing our time is a big mm-hmm. problem. And so all we're doing is bringing that into our homeschool environment and trying to understand that, what are the things we want to accomplish? How much time do we have? And what are the things that are going to be most effective in that time period? The other thing about having too many resources, one way that we can kind of uh, find out, find the right path. We really love these digital curriculums, mm-hmm. the Blossom and Roots and Build Your Libraries and Waldock Ways and things like that, because they're very affordable one. So it's really easy to pick one up without spending much money and get access to it. But the other thing is that they have digital samples. Mm -hmm. So all these curriculums usually have maybe the first week as a full digital sample. If you're thinking that you might be in love with this new curriculum, uh, I encourage you to check a week out and do it with your learner like it was a unit study and just see how they respond to it. If they have a whole lot of fun with it, you know, you could even say, you could have a week during the summer or I mean a month during the summer where you do a week each of different curriculums from their samples and see which one resonates with your child best to decide what you're going to do this fall maybe. So there, that might be a way to test drive some curriculums if you can and see if that might be a good fit for your family. Sometimes something looks really good and I'm really excited about it and I put it in front of my daughter and she's not that excited about it (laughs) and i would love to do that before i've spent the money to see if oh this is probably not gonna work for her so just another idea on uh too many resources so we have too many resources big big issue a lot of people run into this time Mm -hmm. this you know resources you know prioritization big problem um another issue that we talked about is the projection so projecting issues projecting fears projecting desires and wants onto our homeschool space can create that sense of missing out, um, that sense of urgency, maybe an undue sense of urgency, an mm-hmm. undue sense of like, I have to do it right now, or it's, you know, the end of the world. You know, how can people manage that little bit of projection? How can they, you know, understand and manage their own emotions so that it doesn't impact their homeschool environment? I think that one of the keys, if you think that projection is part of this, is to really identify where that's coming from. Mm-hmm. Is it that you really wanted to learn this thing when you were a kid, yeah. right? Oh, I would have killed to be able to learn all about X, Y, Z. 
Um, because if that's the case, then you can really talk with your child about maybe they're not dying to learn that subject. And yeah. then that, that solves that, right? Yeah. So that could be easy. Um, it, it could be like, let's say that you were a very reluctant reader or you struggled terribly in math. And so you're very sensitive to those choices that you might make for your child. And you might be, you might try to, to go overboard. Um, I think that that's a good spot to do some assessment with your kiddo and see if your child is on track or if you're, you know, you're making, making progress. Maybe they're not on grade level yet, but they're making steady progress and you can really, you know, assess them now. And then in six months, assess again, however you want to do that. There's plenty of online assessment tools you can use. You can even for most of the popular curriculums, they have an assessment you can take before you start the next level. So you could even look at that, but some way to measure and say like, okay, maybe I was, I struggled in math and I had a problem. And so I'm really projecting all of that anxiety I felt onto my kids. So I want them to do two math programs and I want them to do math games and all this other stuff because I don't want them to have this problem. But maybe if you step back and really look at your learner and do some assessment, you'll see that they're not struggling in math and maybe you don't have to worry. So you, I think all these projection things, you really have to identify what is it in you. Um, you know, one of the reasons we homeschool is because I was terribly bullied when I was mm -hmm. in school. Mm -hmm. And I don't want that to happen to our daughters, of course. Um, but I realized in my own projection of that, that I'm more cautious about social relationships for them mm -hmm. and them yeah. going to this parent partnership now. And, and I had to really come to terms with the fact that I've got to let that go. We've mm -hmm. made a good choice for them. And of course, we're not going to let them be be bullied. Mm -hmm. um, but they do need the chance to form their own social relationships and maybe deal with some situations that might be difficult. And But I have to recognize that about myself. Yeah. It, this, is, this one's all about getting in touch with you mm -hmm. and coming up with where your projection stuff is coming from so that you can really... Um, you can really adjust, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's not even something that happened to you. Maybe it's just, this is what I think homeschooling is. This is what the ideal is. This is yeah. what I've seen on blogs. And I watched this YouTube channel and it was amazing. And these people had this amazing homeschool experience and this is what it should look like. And so I'm projecting that onto my family. That could be it too. Um, you know, something that I, I know I suffer from a kind of two, two elements and they're kind of one and the same, but um, the first one is I always have a fear that even though I have to always tell myself, you know, she's five, she's almost six. Mm. You know, what we she do. She looks like she's eight, and we forget yeah. she's only five. Yeah, she's got my gen genetics. <laughs> <laughs> so, which is yay. Um, but one of my fears that I always have to remember is that they're young kids, they're going to blossom into who they're going to be, and they're going to make choices and decisions and career decisions that will, you know, a long time from now. Mm -hmm. But I always feel. And I don't know if this is maybe my upbringing or maybe, you know, my experience in, in the corporate world or whatnot. I always am afraid that, well, if they're going to be an engineer, they need to start to learn these things now. <laughs> right. And I always have this like fear that that if I don't do the right steps now, that I won't enable them for the thing that they want, in, you know, in the future. And we all want our kids to be successful. We all want them to be happy and fulfilled in their lives. Mm -hmm. And that's obviously something that, you know, regardless if you're homeschooling or not, that's what you, you, you desire for your children. That's just, you know, I think bio biology to be successful. But 
and, and happy and happy and all that stuff. But yeah. you know, from our standpoint, is we're so intimately um, ingrained within their education, and we understand what that means. That means if they have a good education, they're going to have a good life outcome more more often than not. Right. The pro, mm-hmm. you know, it's sort of like the probability curve that I'm shifting it into the success ring. They could still make mistakes. Everybody does. And you could still have, you know, bad outcomes. That's not saying that's not uh, foolproof, but we're trying to, you know, ensure success as much as possible. And yeah. Well, and it's all up to us. It's all up to us. And it's, it's we, on our shoulders. You know, we can't just yeah. say, like, oh, we're sending them to school and it's on a teacher's shoulders. Yeah. It's up to us. Yeah. And so my fear, you know, is kind of two pronged in that. I don't know what she, these girls want to do with their lives. I wish I knew because it would make it a lot easier for me. <laughs> Can I just take the, you know, the way. Yeah, where's that handbook? Yeah, where's the handbag? Oh, oh, you're going to be an engineer. Great. Let's put you on the engineer track. You're going to be a nurse. We'll you're do this. Nurse. Okay, we're going the bio track. No, I wish I could make those decisions now because yeah. it, it would take away a lot of the fear and anxiety of like, okay, I got I to gotta choose more options, which kind of goes back to the previous mm-hmm. one, the previous issue of, you know, paralyzed by choice is that I got to be able to showcase them enough so that they, I, I'm afraid if I don't showcase them enough, they're not going to find the thing that they want. Right. Like, so it's, it's, I, I find like that's hard because we're yeah. engineers. And so we yeah. tend to, to focus towards science the stuff science and, and, stuff. and so things that's like our, that. That's but maybe they're going to be yeah. artists. And yeah, who knows? Yeah. You know, we need to show them enough of that to find their passion. So, so it's the two, it's the two prong thing that I'm kind of afraid of is that I want to show them enough so that they find the thing they want to do. And number two is I want them to find that thing so early so I can start working <laughs> on it right now. Well, here's what's going to happen. Yeah. They're going to find that thing when they're seven and yeah. you're going to go all in. And then at nine, they're going to change, yeah. do a 180 on you. And, 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 and I have that bias and I have that FOMO in me. And I know that's my, that's my issues that yeah. I'm projecting onto them. Um, but at the same time, because I'm, bl- I'm just a giant blatant hypocrite, I tell everybody that it doesn't matter what you choose. <laughs> because look at me. I'm a physicist who became an electrical engineer building weather balloons to being a software product owner, hardware owner, project project manager type of thing. And now I'm a stay at home dad. And that's my mega arc. You know, it's kind of horseshoed. Right. And it doesn't matter what I chose because I found happiness at all. Every one of those levels and I shifted careers. You shifted industries from marine into medical. We all can make these changes and it doesn't destroy my life outcomes. It doesn't (laughs) ruin my my life. So I have this, I have these two competing um, fears and ideas, which is, you know, I understand that you can make changes and shift and pivot in life and and still be happy. And then I also want my daughters to have everything that they need so that they can ensure Mm -hmm. that they're going to be successful in what they choose. So I have to, so those are my FOMO issues that, and and that's me projecting onto them. And so I, you know, and on a daily basis, I just have to step back and go, "Hey, do do you do you like biology? Yeah, Daddy, I want to be a nurse. Oh, that's cool. Well, here's Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then you know? and the next day, the last thing she wanted to do was be a fashion designer astronaut. And so I no, she wanted to design. No, no, Ariel, you got to. She wanted to be an archaeologist, but then in her part time, she wanted to design suits for astronauts it's a fashion designer for astronauts (laughs) so that when they wear their suits they don't look lame like (laughs) like giant you know blown up characters marshmallow man they gotta look cool and slick very very spacex right suits (laughs) it's it's funny these fears you know i i too i feel like um 
I feel like because we're homeschooling, we're doing something that's different than the status quo, although more and more people are joining every day. Yeah, um, we, we welcome you. But because of that, I feel this like, like our kids are an example. And if our kids aren't at least as knowledgeable as public school kids would be, have covered as much ground, um, you know, it, it, educationally, like we're looked at, you know, and I don't know who'd be looking at us. Nobody's judging us. But I, and I always tell people, don't worry about whoever could be judging you. But this is my own insecurity is yeah. I feel like I. Insecurity found. In yeah. Wreck-It Ralph. Yeah. Yes. No. It's exactly how I insecurity. feel. Insecurity. <laughs> so I, I feel like I want, I want our kids to be, to be models of how great homeschooling is and how um, confident they are and knowledgeable they are and all that stuff you want your children to be ambassadors for the movement i do i i want i want them to be those examples there's like oh yeah look at these these girls and they grew up to be um to be smart and personable and they they went and got great degrees and they're happy and all these things and i want all these things for our children and i i always have to step back and say like that's my issue. Nobody's <laughs> asking them to be the poster children for homeschool. And because we run this podcast, and just so you all know, this is this is my own insecurity too, is being like, we run this podcast and I want to keep it real for everybody that it's not all roses. Homeschooling, <laughs> even though we do love it, but I also feel like we're the example. No, we're not. You know, we're... The people know. They know. They know or not. They, they but, know me. But I but I feel this way. You and, know me. And you may feel this way too in your local community or in your extended yeah. family that you're the homeschoolers mm. and everybody knows it and you're setting an example well, for other people there, there may, and there's there this be, stress. Well, yeah, it's and a there, stress. And there may be a little bit of a, um, a, a, a high bar hurdle that we have to overcome, that we have to be a little bit higher. We have to be better. Well, right. There's, there's always that thing like, oh, you know, homeschoolers are usually oh, reading above grade levels. Or... homeschoolers. <laughs> right. I feel like darn if we do, darn if we don't, right? There's there's always this kind of, there's a stigma um, that, you know, homeschoolers aren't very, very well adjusted socially, which obviously is, you know, not really the case if no. you meet a homeschooler now. Um, but there's also the stigma that they're usually academically advanced. And I don't think that that's necessarily accurate either, but I definitely feel that like I, you know, all of our friends, they know we homeschool and they ask, yeah. how's it going? And I feel like they're not quizzing my kid when they see him, but they're definitely evaluating our children based on that fact that they know that they're homeschoolers. Yeah. And so I, of course, I want them to be knowledgeable. And we had a friend the other day say, oh, you know, I was just amazed my fourth grade son um, didn't know anything about, uh, I think it was about the constitution and things. And I was like, I was looking through my plan of what I plan to cover with her. And by fourth grade, we won't have reached us government yet. <laughs> and I was like, Oh man, like, am, am I going to be like, Oh, you're homeschooling. Why, how's your kid not know all about the constitution yet? You know, like I, I feel this because if, if they were in school, then you schluff it off and oh well the school yeah. the school's gonna get there they haven't taught it yet but we're homeschooling so it's up to us <laughs> so I feel this this intense fear that I don't want I don't want to miss out on anything that somebody else thinks I should be covering yes and how ridiculous is that to care about somebody well, else's opinion and, and, but and, I and, do I do and, care and all, I shouldn't but I care and all of these fears feed back into the previous one which is you know, I want to make all these choices. I want to do everything, right? So they, right. These, the projecting of the expectations of the, you know, whether it's your expectations or outside expectations, you know, how we project 
doubles into the fear of us making choices yeah. about all the things we want to learn and we start to pack too much stuff in and, and everything. So right. we have, you know, all the choices paralyzed by choice. We have this issue of projection, our fears and biases yeah. on, onto our home. Which we're totally guilty of too. Always. And then we have the final one, the 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 third head of the chimera. <laughs> um the am I doing enough? So you have this anxiety of, of choice, you have this projection. Now you've made all these choices, you've you've projected all your fears. You're, you're trying to keep now your fears out you of it. And now you realize, holy cow, am I doing enough? Am I spending enough time doing all this stuff? Do yeah. I need to do I need to get into the Dragon Ball Z hyperbolic time room so I can do a whole year in one day? Oh my god, oh, I hate yes. Dragon Ball Z. I know you love it. It's awful. You love it. The kids love it. So I this is really hard. Um I, I think as much as there is great um now some states are very restrictive, but other states are very open about what you need to teach. Oh, you know, in our state, we just need to teach a certain number of subjects. That doesn't tell us exactly what we have to cover. And so depending on depending on your state and what the rules are, the fact that it could be so loose is actually hurts our mentality more because yeah. it's not very prescriptive, right? Like it's... I want the freedom to do what I want to do. Don't tell me how to educate my kid. But I also. But on the second the, time, I want the. I, I want the benchmarks. Want, I kind of want you to give me the guidelines. Like you know, I want you to tell me what I need to do <laughs> because the guidelines. Because it's it's difficult to know if you're covering enough ground. You know that am I doing enough question? And if you mm-hmm. haven't listened to our mm-hmm. episodes, we have one on kindergarten, first and second grade, yeah. where we broke down a whole day in school and what they did. And you can so if you're worried about hours and how many hours you should be spending, uh, we'll link them in the show notes. Go back and listen to those. We break down the entire day in public school, mm-hmm. what they do versus first grade and second grade. Yeah, versus what we do at home, and you can see just how much how how much time. Um, you can save by the focus that you're able to give your kids as opposed to them being in a large classroom. So if you're worried about time, there's that. But if you're worried about breadth of um, subject matter, that's really hard. Now, some states have really great educational standards listed. And so you could see like, well, in public school, this is what they would do. (laughs) Some states don't have things um, as well documented and available for everyone. And that just makes things difficult. Because then you worry like, well... You know, for example, we're doing a math curriculum mm-hmm. uh, in public school. They do math every day. Well, if we have a math curriculum, it's 125 lessons that me- and we homeschool year round. That means we only have to do like two and a half lessons a week, a week on average. Right. So some weeks we'll do two and other weeks we'll do three in order for us to finish it in a full year. Mm-hmm. But I'm not doing it every day. Am I supposed to be doing it every day? <laughs> right. So then then we go, well. Should I accelerate it? Well, no, maybe I'll just add another math thing. I'll just add another math curriculum on top of it. Or I'll add some practice. We'll do some Khan Academy on the days we're not doing this. And we'll um, I'll add Beast Academy because, yeah, we'll do that too. And here's where we start piling things up because we're we're concerned. It goes back to our first one, which is all those options that we want to pick. We have we great stacking things together. We do. Yeah. Sometimes it's because we love them, but sometimes it's because of this reason, because mm-hmm. we – it's not because we think they're so amazing. It's because we're afraid that we're not covering enough ground for our kids, yeah. which is just a really, it's a, a really difficult one. It is. It is. I, you know, for, for, with respect to a lot of those curriculums and a lot of, am I doing enough? I, you know, we have found that doing the math and reading every day has been a good way to alleviate that FOMO. Um, knowing that 
regardless of what we're doing, I'm pushing the ball down the field on those it's two. About cr- forward progress. Yeah, the forward progress. Always, always achieving a little bit in both of those every day takes away a lot of that fear. I know a lot mm-hmm. of people will sometimes do it on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday. That's fine if you can accomplish what you need to do and your learner is doing well. I found with these early age, you know, at this five, six year old range, doing it every day really just keeps that skill. Right. And so you've been skill. able to break the lessons apart yeah, we, we've so talked, that you yeah. could spread it through the week we've talked about to touch this, it every yeah, day. We talked about this before, taking up these larger lessons that might take, say, two days to do and chopping them up into pieces that are really small and then knocking them out over the course of a week or the course of a, you know, you might do two a day. You might do one in the morning, one in the afternoon. And there's like 10, 15 minutes, you know, a piece. Mm-hmm. And I'm able to complete the work I need to do, but also doing it every single day where we have that kind of that repetitive nature of, okay, we're learning about math. We're learning about addition, 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 addition. And you, you just keep getting that reinforcement, especially with our learner. She likes the, as we've said a couple of times now, she likes that kind of looping schedule. She likes that, that spiral-based learning. Mm-hmm. It works well for her. So you want to keep coming back to those things. I found that to be very important for reading, not as important for math. I could skip a day of math here and there, but the reading is something I just cannot let the, I cannot let my foot off the pedal on that one because it will slack down. I will lose a little. Right. We need to keep reinforcing those concepts. I I think with these, if you're making forward progress on reading Mm -hmm. and math, whether your child's on grade level yet or not, um, quote unquote grade level, um, I would say as long as you're making good forward progress, they're not being pushed too hard. Exactly. You're yeah. probably okay. You're probably okay. Right. Everything I mean, else is gravy on top. Everything because, everything because else we know is if about you go, if you go listen to those two episodes, you know we know that those first three years, all they're doing is math and reading. They're right. not doing anything. They're else. sprinkling in some science so, and some history and some so, art. So for the fact that maybe kind of it. during the week you're doing this around the world study. They ain't getting that yeah, or at all. What if you're covering an ancient civilizations, yeah. right? At, at these ages, for these elementary age kids, it's yeah. about exposure. So if yes. you're worried about whether or not you're covering enough ground, as long as you're making forward progress in math and reading, and that's going okay, you're hitting whatever goals you have for your student in those areas, the other stuff is all exposure. Yes. So exposure to art, exposure to science. At, at this age, we're... It's, you know, when, when, you know, three years go by, is our daughter going to remember all the things that she learned this year? No, No. but she will remember that feeling of the fact that we are globally connected and there's kids everywhere in the world that live differently than her. Of the, of geography, of the globe, that there are other people in this world, right? that there's a vast majority of of different types of cultures. There's a lot of different types of foods. A lot of different types of geography. She is going to remember the few things that really stick out to her that she really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. And that's all that we want to do. And even though she'll she'll probably forget 80% of the stuff, she won't remember the books that we read. She won't remember the science experiments for the most part that we did. Mm -hmm. It's again, like what you said, it's the exposure. It's that pacing that we do on a daily basis that is expanding her knowledge base expanding her literacy her active literacy um being exposed to many different things getting a a wide range of vocabulary Mm -hmm. so that she can then apply that you know larger vocabulary base to her reading you know there's a nice correlation there with Mm -hmm. knowledge Mm -hmm. and and literacy We, we I've been I've been you know learning a little bit about the idea of knowledge and how that act how that activates your literacy so she's getting a huge breadth of knowledge, a huge breadth of experience, 
And that will translate into awareness of the world and a dynamic mindset that will allow her to learn better going forward. Right. Once we get into history, we're going to start into prehistory and then we're going to go into ancient civilizations and then medieval. And and it's just going to give her a well-rounded appreciation. Yeah. It's she's not going to remember all the details. Yeah. We're not we're not at this point. We're not this isn't high school. We don't need her to memorize facts and figures and things yet. Yeah. It's just about exposure. So for these elementary age learners, if you're worried that you're that you're not doing enough and so you want to jam in all of these things, just really remember that unless there's a state requirement, no one is telling you exactly what you have to do exactly you get to set it and set the things that you think will be most worthwhile go for quality over quantity and everything that you look at that you want to add in or you want to do think about the quality mm-hmm. of it and you know see how much your learner gets out of it if you're doing so many things they're not taking any of it in it's like that's that's worthless you could do only a few things and have them deep dive into those and really enjoy them and mm-hmm. remember them and that's worth so much more. Yeah, the issue of shallow versus deep. Yeah, right. It's, it's and all, I, it's all, I think yeah. that's always going to be a tension in the homeschooling environment. It is, is a tension. It's tension for us right now. Exactly. How far do we go in how, things? How many layers are we doing? Is she really getting anything? Or would I do better by allowing her to do deeper dives on things and becoming knowledgeable about those things, but then leaving other things off? It, it's it's a tension I think will always be. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's any good solution there. You just kind of have to find a, a nice middle ground. And I think you have to, you know, we're going to be interviewing unschooling family here in a, in a, this week, really driving the learner's interests mm-hmm. to help do those deep dives. And the rest of this is really just kind of layer caking of interests and ideas and knowledge and different experiences, and then finding those things that are super interesting to them. And how we manage our time around that is, I think, a big challenge. So we've talked about making choices and the paralyzing amount of choices that Mm -hmm. we have. We've talked about our projection and our own biases. And then ultimately how those two juxtapose our fear of, you know, doing enough, doing enough time, enough work. Those three big ideas, I think, create a lot of the FOMO. There might be another couple minor ideas out there but i think those are the bulk majority of what creates that fear of missing out that we mm-hmm. have in the homeschooling world maybe just we'll touch a little bit on maybe uh, ways to alleviate fomo um and some of my experiences and in, in the i have found that having a good set of principles and a good set of guidelines that help hem in the decisions help to limit what you do not in the sense that I'm not going to do this curriculum or that curriculum, but saying I'm only going to limit myself to three hours a day. I'm right. going to choose three curriculums. I'm going to have one additional unit study that falls into there, and I'm just going to fill that in. Having those guidelines and that structure can allow me to make the right decision and mm-hmm. limit the amount of options there are. Um, one of the things that uh, in my professional life that we always realized is the work in progress, the idea of work in progress and limiting your work in progress to a more manageable amount helps to improve your throughput. I'll say that again, limiting the amount of things you do. So if you want, if you can only do two things at one time, that works better than doing 10 things at a time because you're going to be scatterbrained and doing 10% of 10 things, you still haven't done anything. If I go ahead and just do my two things, 
I pop those off the stack and I pull on two more things, you will actually improve your throughput of thing, getting things done. So I always have this idea of limiting and bookending what you're doing so that you can do more effectively and effectively meaning getting things done. And in a lot of respects, homeschooling for us is about getting things done. Now we're obviously we're having fun and we're learning and we're educating our child and, and whatnot. But in the, from the standpoint of us as planning out our children's education, we have a number of things we're trying to accomplish. Even if you're in an unschooling family, there are benchmarks that you're trying to reach, whether it's state requirements or national requirements, things that you know in the back of your head you need to accomplish and how can I push my learner or guide my learner in certain directions. We're all thinking in those terms. So I always like to think about limiting your work in progress, limiting those options, putting in guideposts so that you can make good decisions in that. This is true about investing, you know, limiting the amount of money you put into it to be the, the most you're willing to lose. Um, structured you know, buys into your investing, like if I'm doing it in the stock market or crypto or something like that, I only limit, you know, I buy every Friday and this is the only, the largest amount I'll buy, right? That type of thing helps limit your fear of going, oh gosh, if I could just put a few dollars into that thing, I might become, you know, super wealthy. It limits that FOMO. No, I have a guidepost yeah. that I follow and I stay to those. Same idea with education. Limit my, my curriculum choices. There's so many great curriculum choices. You can't go wrong. Build your library, Torchlight, Blossom and Root, Waldock Way, those type of good curriculums. You can pick one, yeah. stick with it. If I mean, it's there's all, there's Bookshark, there's other, Bookshark, you know, yeah, all of them, right? Uh, so physical curriculums are great. Make that main curriculum choice. What am I doing? Make my reading choice. Make my math choice. And that and in there could be an eclectic choice. You don't have to pick one big mega curriculum, but I have to fulfill my math and I have to fulfill my reading. I have to do my main curriculum. And then maybe I want to do a little bit of science. Okay, boom, you're done. You can make four choices instead of having mm -hmm. to make a hundred choices. Um, and even within those, you could say, well, okay, so the first few weeks, I'm going to do the four weeks to read. and Then I'm going to do Bob books. And then I'm going to do hundred lessons and in, in you know, mm -hmm. teach my child to learn a hundred lessons. And then I'm going to do maybe the first half of all about reading. Okay, that's great. You've made four choices, but you've put them in a serial you've manner. You've sequenced them, and yeah, that's a really good, them, yeah. really good way to do it. If there's things that you want to do that are more than you have time for, yeah. then you need to either combine them together or, or break sequence, them apart. Them. You know, take take pieces out or sequence them, or um, you know, figure out a way. But I like the idea of limiting yeah. number of hours and number of days per week. So it's like, hey, I have three hours, five days a week, and that's all I've got. Yeah. What can I do with that time? Um, and you know, what, what fits because we don't want to overschedule our kids. And it's really easy when we're homeschooling because yeah. we don't have any other commitments. Exactly. So we can do, we can put them in four extracurricular activities if we want to, but that's well, and problematic. And, and that's a great point. We're running, you know, I, I have a little bit of anxiety about this because we're starting the parent partnership. We're going to have two days a week where she's going to be in like a quasi kindergarten type of class where she's going to be doing some exercises and work. She's going to have some extracurricular activities, you know, dance, you know, wood shop, Lego, and all these fun little, you know, um, enrichment classes that she can take. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to be doing our main homeschool curriculum on uh, on that, uh, on top of that, which means I'm going to have to figure out when and where I can do my curriculum without overburdening her because she's going to be doing a lot of these enrichment classes, and I mm -hmm. don't want to do too much. And so now I'm starting to think about well. 
how much time do I have? How much right. can I commit? How do we how do we yeah. adjust? Because we you know we we we've covered the Singapore math. Well, it turns out that her her class is going to be using the Singapore math, the same one that we reviewed. Mm -hmm. And so how can I fold that into her, her curriculum? You know, what materials will she have to come back? Maybe I need to do that here at home with her. Maybe I need to push another curriculum. You know, you have to make those choices based on the amount of time that I have. You know, her daughter, her sister's going to be going to the preschool. That's going to open up Mondays and Fridays for me. Okay, that I can do this and that, right? It's it's a lot more complex schedule that we have coming up here than what we've had in the past. Yeah, that's true. And and so these are the type of choices that you know personally that we're going to have to be making, and how are we going to handle these type of things with respect to homeschooling? So, but yours might be that you're you know you're working remotely. Maybe you're juggling yeah. the teaching responsibilities with your spouse, and so mm -hmm. you know you need to. A, a great way of alleviating this, you know, fear um, mm -hmm. and wanting to do everything is just by setting boundaries. So, boundaries. you know, talk with your spouse to come up with what you think is reasonable um, and, you know, certainly have an eye for not burning out your kids. So yeah. I, I, we hope that this was helpful. Yeah. The, you, you've got a window into a lot of our fears and we exactly. suffer from a lot of these things too. And it's a struggle for ourselves to, um, to, to keep ourselves with our kids and as the primary focus and not let our other concerns or interests or things, you know, over schedule what we're doing. So, um, I hope that was, this was helpful though to, to somebody else. Who, was, I feel like this is a little bit cathartic for me. Yeah, it was, it was a little, like a little therapy we're, talking we're, to you about the things that, in the chair. that bug me and, um, that worry me and, and things. I, I think that was, um, that was helpful. For, this is helpful for me to sit yeah, through. Yeah. So, so it's ended the way we always ended. Um, something that we're into this week. So we um, have been binging <laughs> uh, the second season of Bluey. Uh, yes, this, this our week. very first episode. We talked about our, our great our love, love of the Australian Bluey. kids show Bluey, um, which is streaming on Disney Plus. It's also on Disney Channel. The normal seasons, but then yeah. they come on Disney Plus, and. Um, we just had to bring it up again because season two finally came onto Disney Plus. Yeah, it came like and a, maybe a month or a couple of months ago or something, but we've been like staying away and trying to just nibble at it. But this week, uh, uh, the dam broke and we, because we were sick. We, we were, were super sick. We were sick. No, no COVIDs, but, no, but we were sick. But like we had like the flu in the middle of the summer. So, it was not COVID, but man, so the we were girls, sick. Yeah, the girls uh, got a little bit more TV time than they normally get this <laughs> yeah. week. And so uh, after dinner, we were watching a couple episodes of Bluey. And Bluey's, you know, about 10, 10 minutes per episode. So you can watch a couple and and really be you know entertained man did they go the pixar route this this they, I don't know. there was a couple episodes like where i was like just 15. almost in tears it was um, the that, onions were being cut that were so good and, you know if you have so if you haven't watched bluey it's about a um a family of dogs in australia blue healers and and um it's it's really focused on imaginative play the kids mm -hmm. this two girls and it's it's all about using their imagination and there's learning lessons and it's so smart it's the smartest um kid show i know period kid show i've ever seen we as adults really enjoy watching it we laugh at it with our kids it doesn't it doesn't talk down to kids in any way yes, there's yes. no point where i'm like you know, sometimes things are just so silly in kids' shows that, you know, you as parents roll, roll your eyes. And I never do that with this. This is a, it's genuine. It's heartfelt. The show is amazing. If you have not watched Bluey, you yeah. must go and watch this with your kids because it's it's one of the best shows I've ever seen for children. Well, it, and it's... It's it's very good. We all we, I, most probably people have listened to it. This uh, they probably have followed 
and, and they know Bluey is good. But the the episode that really got me to know that Bluey is something bigger than just a children's show, it was the episode where they were camping, and she was mm, such a good. Show. She got she became friends with this I think a French Canadian a dog, and they were playing and they couldn't communicate because there was a language barrier and they kept you know inventing these these thing uh little activities they found and a way to found a way to communicate even through you know as children um through play and using play to communicate um and then you know throughout this you know over the course of them playing you know going to sleep and coming back the next day and playing and going to sleep and coming back eventually the the french canadian dog leaves and goes home and bluey's left alone and then there was this forward jump in time like 20 years later where she, she, bluey came back and she was an older girl or maybe like 10 years later and she's an older girl and that that dog came back as an older like a teenager and and you had that first moment where you you saw that the show was way more sophisticated than just a children's show it was it was making comments to the parents directly to the parents mm-hmm. about the importance of play and and enjoyment and and forging friendships and, and forging friendships and how that will will pay forward in into the future and i think that was a moment where i i i saw into the writer's room and you saw exactly what they're trying to do with the show and i just i, I appreciate it Th- this is a show where uh you know a character will have a problem mm-hmm. I, I remember when um bluey was having an issue learning to ride her bike oh yeah. we used that episode to help our daughter <laughs> get over her fear of learning to ride her bike exactly yeah. and we have hearkened back to this show so many times with our kids and said well mm-hmm. remember when bluey did this or bingo had this issue and mm-hmm. uh i think that that's just, just a really special show, um, and we could rewatch episodes. I could watch every episode again. We could watch them all again and still enjoy them. And many of the imaginative games that they've come up with, yeah, our kids have then decided to play here with yes. with you and I, yes. and which has also been cool. Um, warning: some of the imaginative games really require the parents to be uh, very into it. And there's been a couple that have wanted to come into, they've wanted to bring into the house, and have been like, "We're not going to do what was it, the dance one." <laughs> a freeze dance or something like that it was the one where they're on the street where they were they um, had to dance we were laughing we thought it was really funny and then our kid was like we should do that we said no (laughs) we're not going to dance in public for you so i mean you know but um if you haven't checked out the show you're you're missing out that you talk about fear of missing out you're missing out yeah Uh, you have to watch bluey and if you only it's been fantastic and what are we going for uh, for halloween ariel and i are going going as the grannies we're going here come the grannies so yeah if you only saw, right here, if you saw the first season of Bluey like us, you really enjoyed it, but you haven't checked out the second season yet, um, get on that because the second season is... It's way more emotional. It's way more... And, and they're looking they're at other to, kids yeah. too, not just these two. They're, yes. they're bringing in other kids and... There's one with the the mom and the bingo learning to sleep in her own bed, which I would just say right now, grab the tissues because I was just as a mom <laughs> yeah, with littles, I was having, I was bing- struggling. So basically, she's trying to go to sleep and she goes into the La La Land and it's it's it planets and it's because she's really into planets and space and stuff and it, it becomes this dream sequence that is layered on top of the reality of them doing the musical chairs and the beds and everything like and, that and her learning to. To, to break go, from her yeah. mom and sleep on her own and i as a mother oh i just oh almost lost it so anyways 
But uh, if you haven't checked out the second season of Bluey, yep. definitely get to it. It is even better than the first season, I think. So check it out. Thanks so much for joining us today and making us a part of your homeschool journey. Please engage with us on social media. Join our Homeschool Together podcast group on Facebook and find us at Homeschool Together podcast on Instagram. We'd love to hear your feedback, questions, and recommendations. Until next time. Happy homeschooling!